Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello and welcome to From the Furrow, where each week we talk with subject matter experts on news and topics affecting the grain markets. I'm your host, Britt O'Connell. Fall temperatures here in Wisconsin are dropping like Aaron Rodgers passes to his receivers on a Sunday afternoon, but oh, we still love the Packers. Let's get started with a review of the markets. Today is Wednesday, October 26th. December corn is down to trading 684 and a quarter. November beans are up 11 and a quarter cents, trading 1393 and a quarter. Turning to our guests this week, it's our privilege to have Ryan Legrand, President and CEO for the U.S. Grains Council. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks, Brett. Ryan, let's get started. Can you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about the U.S. Grains Council? who you serve, kind of what the goals of your organization are? Sure. So the U.S. Grains Council is a nonprofit trade association. We're based in Washington, D.C., and we develop foreign markets for corn, barley, sorghum, EDGS, and ethanol. And we we really serve the U.S. farmer. Uh, That is our core membership. We have a a large agribusiness membership. So your large, medium, and small agribusinesses that are actually exporting these products are our members as well. But uh, the organization was founded in 1960 and was really set up to serve the U.S. farmer and find markets overseas for the products that they produce. So you mentioned that the U.S. farmer is largely your member base. So how does the U.S. Grain Councils work with U.S. growers? And how do you translate that into action or, or actionable items out in the industry? Sure. So a, a lot of our work is done through the state checkoff organizations. They represent the farmers, at, at least with the work that they do with us. Uh, but we have a lot of direct contact with the farmers as well. We have uh, a couple of meetings that we do annually where we get direct input from, from the growers. Uh, we'll uh, convene in, in, a, uh, in a city here in the United States and, and uh, form what we, what we call action teams. So many farmers are on these action teams and they're they're either topic related by ethanol or, or, or DDGS or uh, they're market related, say Asia or Latin America or uh, Africa and Middle East. And they'll provide uh, direct input on the programs that we're running, uh, the markets where we're working. And their, you know, their concerns as, as they relate to our work really lie in opening and maintaining and defending those foreign markets to make sure that they have markets overseas, that they, they, they have an outlet outside of the United States to ship those products. We really break down the, the, the work that we do in any kind of three buckets, uh, trade policy, trade servicing, and demand building. Those are kind of the three uh, major areas where we work. As you think about those three buckets, what is kind of the top of mind among your grain producers, or what issues are you guys currently working on on behalf of the grain producers in each of those areas? Yeah, you know, in recent years, policy has really taken uh, center stage on what we do. There's so much protectionism going on around the globe. Uh, countries trying to be self-sufficient, uh, trying to keep uh, products out so they can produce it themselves. And so a lot of the work that we're doing is to bring down tariffs, to bring down non-tariff barriers, and to really keep those markets open and keep the grain and value-added products we produce here in the United States flowing to those foreign markets. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, Certainly, we know that exports are a big part of our demand, whether it be for corn or for soybeans or wheat, any of those products. So we appreciate the work that your group is doing on that front. Exports have been strong the last couple of years. As we look at global grain demand, do you see the U.S. 
staying competitive? Are we losing our competitive edge? I guess, how do you view us in that light right now? And where might grain buyers be picking up more products outside of the U.S. if they're not coming to the U.S. to, to buy product? You know, there, there's certainly a lot more competition than, than what we used to have. Uh, United States used to be just the dominant player around the world for, for grain shipments. Um, you know, you're talking 60 plus percent of, of global market share when it comes to exports. That's what we used to have. And that's really been eroded away because, you know, Brazil has really come on with, with a lot of production in recent years. Argentina and, and even Ukraine. You know, we all know what's going on in Ukraine. It's uh, slowing down those exports with the, the Russian invasion there. But you know, Ukraine is really coming on as, as a powerhouse, especially with uh, corn and, and, and wheat exports in recent years. You know, it's, it's difficult. It's, we're, we're in a commodity market here and uh, trying to differentiate our products from, from others, especially when you're talking about corn exports. That's just basic commodity and, and, and differentiation is hard. We do look for certain areas where we can do that, though. One, one of those areas being starch availability of our corn. You know, with, with the growth, the rapid growth over the last, uh, you know, 15 plus years of the ethanol industry, our corn is really bred for higher starch availability. And we have it, we, and so we see that when we ship that overseas, especially to like wet mills that are, that are grinding our corn for the starch, they're able to more easily extract that starch from U.S. corn versus that of our competitors. And we've got studies that show that. So those are just, that's just one of the little things that we can do to differentiate our American product in, the, in a, what's largely a commodity world. Outside of differentiating our, our product, uh, which obviously is a commodity, as you mentioned, and, and difficult to differentiate, is there anything else that the U.S. Grains Council is doing to work at gaining back some of that global market share? You know, we, we are. We, we have, first of all, the United States has the most efficient, reliable, and transparent export infrastructure in the world. So we've got that going for us. And, you know, countries, other, other countries, other countries that I mentioned earlier, they don't have the trade servicing aspect that we do to make sure that those customers are, are, able, to, are able to properly use our grains, in, in, whether it be in feed milling or in animal feeding. You know, they, they just don't have that service that comes along with a purchase of, uh, in our case, U.S. grains. So we're hosting seminars to teach folks how to better mill corn and, and sorghum. Uh, we're hosting uh, conferences on animal nutrition to teach them how to use distiller's grains, even the high-pro products that are now coming out. We're starting to work on that. So that's a big aspect of what we do. That's wonderful. Well, we certainly you know appreciate your efforts in that regard. There's no doubt that uh, even with uh, some of those, the snafus that we've seen on the river here lately, that the U.S. has got the best infrastructure and certainly uh, have to believe that the world knows that if they need a safe, reliable source of grain products, that the U.S. is the place to come. The U.S. Grain Council is a large global network um, or has a large global network of, of countries that you all work with. You mentioned a few things that you're doing and work with your counterparts in other parts of the world. What other types of work do you do beyond education and trying to gain global market share? Is there any other kind of uh, information exchange or work that you do with those counterparts in other countries? Yeah, so, so really you touched on the global footprint, and, and I didn't mention that at the start. We have nine international offices uh, throughout the world. We have uh, a full-time presence or boots on the ground, as we like to say, in 28 countries. And that network allows us to run programs in 60 countries globally. So we like to say that we never turn the lights off on, on U.S. grain promotion. So the, the, I, I want to go back to the policy. You know, a, a, lot of, a lot of diplomacy and policy work is, is 
what we do to keep the doors open for U.S. grains. Uh, that's working with foreign regulators, uh, working with foreign Congress members to to make sure that, that those markets stay open. That's just a, such a big, big part of what we do. Oh, that's wonderful. Are there any concerns uh, that you hear from growers in other countries as it relates to importing U.S. products or is that not an arena that you guys really uh, get into? No, you know, considering the fact that, that we're promoting U.S. grains uh, and, and value-added products that are produced right here in the United States, we don't have a, a lot of interaction with, with foreign growers. You know, sometimes we do, and, and uh, what we hear from them a lot of times is they wish they had the tools that we have in terms of technology, biotechnology, uh, crop protection products that, that, that we have that, that they're just, they just don't have available to them through different regulations or, or, or whatever uh, restriction that, that they may have. You know, there's a lot of uh, aversion to biotech still around the world that, that, that we have to overcome. And uh, not only does that apply to you know, certain countries importing biotech products, but actually growing them as well. And so those foreign growers really wish that they were able to do what American growers could do. Absolutely. Now, we are, are blessed in this country to uh, be able to grow an abundant supply of healthy food products for, for a growing world. And uh, I think most U.S. producers really, really feel like that's a privilege. And we appreciate organizations like the U.S. Grains Council who are going to bat for the U.S. producer on a daily basis. I love what you said there about the fact that the U.S. Grains Council never turns the lights off on promoting U.S. grain products. I think that's, I think that's a really neat tagline, if you will. So um, Ryan, it was a true pleasure today chatting with you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for the work that you, your team on the U.S. Grains Council is doing on behalf of the U.S. producers. To learn more about the U.S. Grains Council, go to their website at grains.org or get involved in your local checkoff program. If you've enjoyed listening to From the Furl, subscribe to our podcast, share it with a friend, or give us a review. Thank you to Corey Romero, our wonderful producer, and Paige for mixing and mastering today's show.